hats off. <laughs> Thank you, Kev. Well, welcome. Thank you very much for that. That's lovely. Um, who likes the odd glass of wine? Oh, I'm really pleased some people have put their hand up because it's not it's a trick question. I can see some people saying there, is he trying to catch out all the sinners in the room? Is that what he's up to here? Um, but that's not the start of the sermon that expect from a preacher. But I promise you it's not a trick question. Um, if you're new to church, maybe you've had a bad experience at church in the past, then you might think Christianity is all about rules and regulations. And I know that for some Christian traditions, and for very, very good reasons, they have a sobriety ethos. Uh, and some Christians, um, again, forget very good reasons, uh, do not drink do not alcohol. And let me be clear, the Old Testament in the Bible there are those who took a vow of dedication to the Lord as a Nazarite. Are you a Nazarite? You a Nazarite? Mm, maybe. Um, and, and one of the rules was that was must abstain from wine and other fermented drinks. And because we have so many Nazarites, that's why we serve fruit juice rather than wine with our communion. And just a joke. That's not the reason. Um, and while the Bible, the Bible does, let me be clear, let me, uh, warn us against excessive drunkenness, you know what? Jesus enjoyed a really good party. Did you know that? Jesus mixed with the wrong sort of people. He ate good food. He drank wine. If we look at Matthew 11, verse 18 to 19, it says, For John, John the Baptist this is, came neither eating nor drinking, pretend Kev's John the Baptist. And they say he has a demon. The son of man, I'm not saying that's me at all, uh, came eating and drinking, and they say he is a glutton and drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So if you do enjoy a glass of wine now and then, you're in very good company. Now, now that some of you are sitting there thinking, what on earth is Will talking about? Why is he banging on about wine? Well, we're at the conclusion of our I Am series where we look at who is Jesus and we're looking at the final I Am statement, I am the true vine. So to link it all in, let's have a look at the passage in the Bible. If you've got your Bibles with you, it's in John 15, the first 17 verses, but it is on the screen as well. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true of tree, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no, no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and with such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burnt. 
If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know the master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I learned from the Father I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Amen. You know what? I could stop there. Some of you are thinking, oh, please do, Will. But now I shall carry on. Um, you know what? Jesus' words are really, really important. Did you know that? Uh, when you read the Bible, it's important to understand that Jesus said many, many things. In fact, at the end of John's Gospel, John is the book that we're reading from today, John says this, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. And this piece of scripture tells us that Jesus did lots and lots and lots of important things. And in the Bible... Only a fraction of them are recorded. Just a fraction's written what's in the Bible. So what that says to me is that what's in the Bible must be the most important, of the most important things that Jesus ever did and said. Do you believe that? Not one word in the Bible is wasted. So we must pay special attention. Let's think about the vine. Jesus uses this picture of the vine. Now in Charleston, I'm not sure we have too many vineyards. In fact, in the industrial heartland of the black country, you may be surprised to hear that vineyards do not abound. However, Vicky and I, my wife, did visit a vineyard in May this year. It's about six miles from our house going towards Bridge North, and it's called Hapney Vineyard. Anybody heard of it? Yeah, Anthony Green Vineyard. And we went there to enjoy a cheese and wine tasting gift that I'd received from Vicky for my birthday. And I can thoroughly recommend it. Um, not only is there a vineyard at Hapney Green, but there's an airport too. On a very hot summer's day, and yes, we did have some of them back early in 2023, and now it hasn't felt like it recently, Vicky and I spent a lazy couple of hours in the sun being served very small amounts 
it's wine, it's tasting, so very small amounts in a glass, to enjoy with the cheese, whilst watching various light aircraft take off and come into land. Now, Vicky bought me this present because she knows that I'm fascinated with vine and the winemaking process. In fact, little known fact, I used to be an amateur home brewer. What a geek, I know. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and I did make wine, although I'm not that keen on it myself. So uh, I did make wine, but actually I preferred a pint of beer. So that was uh, more in keeping. Um, but Vicky does like cheese and wine, as does our house group. Um, and so uh, it, was, it worked out well for everyone in the end. Um, but what, what, what does this say? I am the true vine. What does that mean? We're overlooking a vineyard. You can just about see the vines in the background behind that glass thing there. What does, what does I am the true vine mean? And what have I learned about vines that I can bring to you insight into these words that Jesus spoke? So let's briefly look at some things that Jesus is saying. First of all, connected. The agricultural picture that Jesus paints is that we're the branches and that he's the vine. And this sets up his illustration that he talks a lot about in this passage, that unless we're connected to him, we'll not only be fruitless, but our cut-offness means that our life withers and dies. So much so that it's like we're thrown away and burned. Now, Jesus here isn't talking about um, the death of our physical bodies. He's speaking about our soul. When we are cut off from Jesus, our soul withers. And when Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing, he's not speaking of a literal physical level. Lots of people don't know Jesus. They're not connected to Jesus. And they live out their physical daily lives doing stuff. Now, what Jesus is talking about is about doing things of eternal worth, doing things that matter. Doing things of kingdom value. Living lives that we were meant to live. Not just physically existing for the few short years that our mortal bodies are on this earth. And just as the branches find their life in the vine, we find our purpose and our vitality in Christ. Without this connection, we wither. But with it, we bear fruit that blesses the world. Jesus talked about being fruitful, so let's look about fruitful. Jesus used this idea of fruitfulness, that we are the branches that are connected to Jesus. And if we stay connected, then we are fruitful. And it's interesting that the vine doesn't strive to produce fruit. It naturally does so by its very nature. Similarly, when we abide or remain in Christ, our actions naturally flow from our transformed hearts. And notice that Jesus doesn't just want us to bear fruit. He desires that our fruit remains. Our impact on the world is lasting when it's rooted in our relationship with Jesus. But then when talking about fruitfulness, Jesus mentions something else. He mentions pruning. Jesus says that we will be pruned 
to become even more fruitful. Again, he's not talking about physically chopping our fingers or our arms off. Rest assured, that's not what's going on. You know? um, but I bought myself a vine last year, and I've been researching and reading about how to look after it. I've watched Monty Don on Gardener's World. He's got a lovely big vineyard in his massive big greenhouse. I've got a smaller greenhouse, but, but the vine's coming on. And uh, what I found out was that a good vine dresser won't just leave the vine branches to their own devices. Because if that happens, then the branches become proliferous. They become many, many, many branches that all get tangled together. Now, let me tell you, a tangled vine can produce some fruit, but the yield reduces in quality and taste due to lots of fruit competing for the vine and the vine covering up the fruit so that it doesn't get the sunlight it needs and it doesn't get the air circulation so the grapes can go mouldy. So pruning is needed to have the best quality and quantity of fruit. And bringing that back up to our lives, back into our lives, often people start the Christian life and they, they are wonderful and things seem to go well. They've met Jesus and Jesus is the best thing ever. And then there's the Holy Spirit and they encounter the Holy Spirit and oh, my life is just amazing. But you know what? Sooner or later, troubles or trials will come. Do you know that? And sometimes, if we're not prepared, we can be a little bit surprised by that. And I've known people who've had a really passionate faith for Jesus when they first met him, but then they've walked away from their faith when trials and troubles and tribulations have come um, because their faith isn't comfortable anymore. But Jesus told us to expect this. And in the vineyard of life, Pruning might seem painful. It might be uncomfortable. We might not understand what's going on. But it's not a sign of failure. It's a sign of success. Our trials and our challenges, our pruning, is God's way of removing what hinders our growth and making space for more possibilities, new possibilities, new fruit, Fruit that will last. Leave that church. So who does this? Well, Jesus in the illustration talks about the vine dresser. And if when you go home, you reread our passage for today, and I strongly suggest you do, because it is so rich, you'll see just how much the word love features, either explicitly Jesus saying love, or talk about things that implicitly imply love. But also how love is so closely linked to this word, remain. Or your Bible might say, abide. This sense of, of being in and with Jesus. Um, just one, one small sentence from that passage we read. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now, remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Did you notice in that short sentence how many times the words remain and love are there? And just the vine sustains the branches, Christ sustains us. He is the anchor, if you like, that holds us firm amidst those 
trials and troubles and storms of life that we just mentioned. And Jesus' words remind us that we are not self-sufficient. We are dependent on him. We rely on Christ and each other because he talked about loving each other. It's not just about him. It's about loving each other as well. To bear the fruit of love, compassion and justice. Our faith journey needs to be a constant abiding in Christ, a remaining in Christ through prayer, through study, through meeting together, through worship. And through our reflection on the scriptures, we nourish this connection, allowing his life to flow through us. And this brings me to my final point, the trellis. As the branches bear fruit, they become quite heavy and they may need support. The support is usually some form of trellis. Now, I don't know whether you can see there, but the trellis is a big, big wooden stake made from a tree with, uh, sometimes it's wood going across. In this case, it's bits of wire. In fact, if you look, this is a type of trellis. If you look, a big wooden stake where the vine can be trained up and then across these cross beams, um, the, the, uh, the, the vine branches can be supported. So this is the trellis. And the vine dresser, in this case, God, carefully, if I'm the vine dresser in the natural sense, I carefully attach the new branches, the tender branches to the trellis. I usually use soft string not to damage the branches and I usually tie it so there's lots of room for those branches to grow. And the, the, the really good vine dresser will lovingly pick up any dirty branches lying on the ground that are fallen from the trellis and they'll wash them off and he'll tenderly put them back on the trellis. What a lovely picture of our heavenly loving Father and how he lifts us up sometimes out of the dirt and the mess that we find ourselves in. And in terms of the trellis in, in this illustration, I'm talking about the trellis, something called a rule of life. The trellis is the thing that helps us be supported and connected to Jesus. So in our case, our trellis is that spiritual practice, those spiritual practices, the disciplines that we commit to on a daily, weekly, monthly and annual basis that help us keep connected to the vine. The trellis is always about spending time with Jesus. And this might start as reading your Bible on a daily basis and praying every day, and we should be doing that to sustain our relationship with Jesus. Um, coming to church on a regular basis, that's another part of the trellis. Um, getting part of a journey, a group, a small group, so that we can be supported and grown by other Christians. That's another part of the trellis. And as we grow in faith, uh, we serve, so we serve into the body of Christ. And we might even start to take regular periods of silence and solitude so that the noise of the world can grow dim and we can cast our eyes just on Jesus, allow our souls to become silenced and to be nourished by his still small voice. And the trellis is the only way to remain connected to the vine and to stay fruitful and healthy. If you don't have a strong trellis, then the branch suffers. So if we could have the worship team back as I conclude, please.
I am the true vine. I started out talking about wine. And wine is made from grapes, from the fruit of the vine. And I want to end in the same way. And by the way, if me talking about grapes and putting all those pictures on there and talking about cheese and wine has made you a little bit hungry, there are some special snacks that should satisfy your appetite when you go outside. But wine was significantly prominent to Jesus. Do you know that his very first miracle, does anybody know what the first miracle of Jesus was? At the wedding at Cana, turning water into wine. We do know our Bible, well done, Junction 10. It wasn't any old wine, was it? What did the wine master say the wine was? He said, usually people bring out the worst wine at the end of a wedding, but you have to save the best till last. The very best possible wine was wine till last. But then, at the Last Supper, before Jesus' crucifixion, he also gave wine to his disciples. And this time, the wine symbolised his blood. The blood that was going to be shed on the cross. The blood of a new covenant. The blood that meant there was forgiveness of sins and made a way for us to have a personal relationship with our loving Heavenly Father. And to finish, when I was preparing for this sermon, the strong picture I had was of Jesus on the cross. Jesus on a piece of wood made from a tree. We have in this picture the source of life, the true vine on a tree. But not tenderly and lovingly supported, but violently nailed to it by the one he came to save. The ones that he had created, but didn't recognise him as their creator. Yet his words were still full of compassion. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Hand that back to Kev now, who's going to pray for us. Then we're going to move into a time of worship and communion. But we've got our prayer team here today. So if at any point these words have struck a chord with you, then they would love to pray with you. Thanks, Kev. Bless you, Will.